Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. We hope that you've had a great week and are looking forward to another great show. Tonight we have great, and I love the word great, questions <laughs> and very interesting stocks to look at from small market caps up to big blah, blah, blue chips. And so as usual, we could go anywhere. To continue on from a bit of a theme as last week, we talked about gold stocks. Our topic for tonight is top five trading tips for buying the best mining stocks. If tonight's your first time watching, thanks for joining us and we look forward to um, you've been with us for many more shows and thanks for making a commitment to learning how to trade the stock market. I'm sure it'll pay off for you in the long run. Well, we look forward to sharing many pearls of wisdom and gems and that's what you put into the script, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I put in. Um, that, <laughs> that will help you gain better profits from the stock market. So hello, I'm Janine Cox and tonight I have Dale Gillam joining us. We're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. I was going to put the great Dale Gillen, but I thought that was a bit over-pushing. <laughs> That's great. a bit OTT. <laughs> too many greats is not enough. It's, mm. not, it's too much. That's yeah. I'm sure. hey, You've got to have a laugh, don't you? I do. I do. I've got to have a laugh because, I mean, we, hey, we, we're COVID-free. Did you know that? I know. Isn't that awesome? Victoria, no cases, COVID-free. Mm. Well, I thought no, you were no, going no. to sing the song or something. I was. I was well, in the, middle of the, in, in, in the middle of the lockdown, I was going to start writing country songs because they're all about doom and gloom and your dog's dying and your wife left you and... Oh, all really? that sort of stuff. And well, you know, you're in that sort of mood, aren't you? When you're locked down, you can't do anything. But now the sun's shining, the birds are singing. The, I think he's happening. got an interesting perspective, don't you? <laughs> God, all right. Anyway, but if you have a burning question for us, you can always send us an email or upload a 30 second video of yourself to Dropbox and send us that link. And we'd love to have your videos. Remember to send all your questions to info at wealthwithin.com.au. Now, before you send in a question, Remember, you must subscribe to the channel as we will give preference to those who are supporting us. I think that's pretty much fair. What do you reckon? I think we should move on. Okay. And it's the fourth Tuesday in the month, and this means that we'll look at world currencies. So let's get into the charts right now, shall we? Well, we must. That's okay. So <laughs> okay. world currencies. You want to take it? No, you can. I think you're you itching to. All right. No, I'm not itching to it. I, I, I've just got a scratch. I've got a scratch. <laughs> Uh, looking at, I mean, obviously on the screen you're seeing our watch list for the currencies here. Now on the top there you can see the US dollar. Our market's really strong against the US dollar since the election. I mean, that we've, what, 10, 12, 12 days, since, 14 days since the election? Two weeks, roughly, roughly, or 13 days. And you can see how our dollar's really taken off against the US dollar, up 3.7%. 
I think it's nice to see it around that mm. 72 cents, 73 yeah, cent mark. 72 cents. Anywhere between 68 and 75 cents. I think the RBA would be reasonably happy with it floating around that zone. But if it starts to edge higher than that, that's where mm. they might look at it. But what can they really do? They've got almost no well, levers to pull now. Minutes. I was doing my um, monthly survey for Finder magazine or Finder, what are they called? Finder.com.au yeah. where they talk about interest rates. And so I'm one of the 4,000 gazillion experts they ask about <laughs> Interest rates, so I had to do my... Well, so your comment matters. Well, it doesn't matter very much at all, but they're asking about well, what could interest rates do, and I said, well, they can't go much lower, otherwise we'll be paying the bank to give them our money. But don't we pay the bank anyway? Well, let's go back to this anyhow. Okay. So, so look, yeah. the Aussie dollar and the Swiss franc, do you like talking about that, or do you want to talk about the Singapore well, dollar? Well, I'm going to bring up a couple of charts, but I'm just saying at the moment, the Aussie dollar this month's looking strong right across the board, except the New Zealand dollar, mm. which... It's probably not quite surprising because the New Zealand market's done really well this year during COVID and the market's done well. Their dollar's done quite well. Um, it's just coming back to a little bit normal. We're talking about a dollar and five if we go down here to New Zealand. See, you know, one dollar Australian is a dollar five New Zealand, which is generally it used to be about dollar two, dollar mm. three, sometimes a bit more, but it's pretty stable there. But I want to go and look at the Aussie US and I also want to go and look at the Singapore dollar, the Chinese renminbi and possibly the pound. Okay, UK pound so let's have a quick look. Do you want short term or longer term? Well, I'll give me more medium term. How's that? You oh, didn't give me that option, geez. did you? <laughs> so, cool. I'm going to give you a long. So looking at the Aussie dollar against the US dollar, and we've seen our market fall heavily against the US dollar right up from ten back in about 2011, right down to where it had that low more recently, uh, if we can see that earlier this year with the... Uh, coronavirus low and since then we've bounced beautifully and really what drives our market against the US dollar is is really just demand for our dollar now because interest rates were really low in the US you know our, our interest rates kept dropping and that's why our dollar kept dropping as well mm. but um, and we weren't getting the investment coming in so right now I think our market's looking good against the US dollar but looking at the chart what do you say? Look, I think that rebound out of that low mm. indicates that there's a long-term low that's coming there. Mm. Yeah, there mm. is, and that's what I'm saying, but I'm not seeing a huge big run like we saw right up into 2011 happening. You know. Well, it's early yeah. days yet. Yeah, so it may, but when you're looking at this, if we put on this, you can see most of the movement is under that sort of 75 cents on our market going back mm. you know, 20 plus years, 30 years there. So really what we're seeing is there could be a bit more movement in our market up to around that 80 cent mark, but right now it still needs to be seen uh, whether that's going to do it. Uh, and we also need to get above these sort of more recent highs from the last few weeks, which is that high there at 74 cents. But it's looking good. Yeah, it is looking good. I'd still like mm. to see it come back a little bit more. Mm. You know, it may not do it though. Mm. Mm. So let's move on to another one. Do you want to bring up what another stock? You've got the mouse there. So you want to bring another stock. Do you want to bring up one of the other ones like the, uh, the pound sterling or... Are you saying you're, you're handing back control again? Yeah, look, I'm letting you have control tonight. All right. Um, Actually, what about, perceived control. What about um, the Australian versus Singapore dollar, given we were having a chat to mm. Michael Waits today? Well, we can do that. Um, who's in Singapore, I think. Let's just have a no, look. No, actually, Michael's in Bangkok. Oh, it's Bangkok. So it's the Thai right. bar. Okay, yeah. I forgot. Um, okay, so looking at Singapore, what do you see? Okay. Pretty much the I think same it looks pretty short flat. term. Yeah, it looks Sideways pretty flat. move. Yeah, it does look pretty flat, doesn't it, the Aussie dollar? Because we don't have a huge trade with Singapore, do we, really? Well, look, I mean, I'm, I don't really track or follow this one, so I just thought you might. Okay, let's have a quick look at the FTSE and then we'll, we, before we move on. Yep. Okay, so let's have a look at the British pound. 
And again, it's still the same, isn't it? It's looking not looking really, really bullish. Even the UK market's been weak. The UK stock market's been weaker around world markets. Yeah, I but, think it's it's pretty much the case across the board. We're hmm. seeing this sideways action happening with the Australian dollar. So, you know, around that 55 cent mark, Historically, I think that's where it wants to sit. Just yeah, have a look at how many it times it's traded around that level over yeah. the past, you know, what, eight, So what's going years? to drive our Australian market? Commodities? It'll Commodities, start, start, definitely. Start driving our Australian That's always dollar. a big driver yeah. for us, but not necessarily the relationship between the, the um, British pound sterling and the Aussie dollar. It's more the Aussie US dollar that that's happening. Okay, so at the moment mm. we're not expecting a lot of movement in the Australian dollar. A little bit up, but maybe not too much more. Yeah, look, I mean, for, for Australian dollar, British pounds, as far, if it goes through that 55 cent mark mm. or 56 cent mark, I think it could be a big, big move up. But it's got to get through that level before we're likely to see cool. that move happen. All right. Well, that's our take on the currencies. And uh, but let's get on to or before we get into our first viewer question, and I really want to thank all those who sent in their emails to us. We really do appreciate it. And we're getting some great emails nowadays, well thought out ones. So please keep up the effort, everyone. And because yeah, the more you ask, the more you explore, the more everybody can learn. So that brings us to the first question, Janine. What is it? All right. We have a question from Simon. Hi, Dale and Janine. Watched your show quite a bit this year, wondering about a long-term hold on logistics companies, especially now coming out of COVID or possible entering another phase. Your thoughts on Q, uh, QUB, please. Yours sincerely, Simon. Thanks very much, Simon. Interesting um, stock choice that you have there on QUB. I think it looks quite interesting, quite nice from a more medium-term perspective, given it's taken out that high now. It really needs to stay above $3. At the moment, it's struggling to try to do that, but it looks like it's poised to push higher. We just have to wait for that confirmation because, look, when stocks break out of these sideways moves, they can often come back within the range of mm. previous bars traded because, as you know, quite often the buying and the selling shifts. So you get the, the buyers drying up and then the sellers come back in again and then when it drops, people who are thinking, oh, it's dropped back below $3, I might pick it up now. Yeah. And, and that holds it up. Well, it is. I mean, obviously, Cube is, you know, ports and all sorts of other stuff. Mm. You know, it used to be Patrick's um, back in the day before it changed its name and everything else. But it, you wouldn't think with our trade situation at the moment, you know, it, it would depend on, you know, is the economy going to pick up? Are we going to get out of... Uh, a recession, are we going to be spending a lot more and obviously having more imports and doing more exporting? Well, so, anything with logistics or transport is mm. going to be um, tested right now, but it, it should be mm. in a good position because if you think about the energy costs at the moment, mm. they're quite low. But then uh, I've spoken to a lot of people who have struggled with um, different modes of transportation, goods being transported in recent times. So I'm just wondering, I haven't looked into how um, Cube's actually handling mm. everything that's gone on with COVID, but from the share price, it actually looks like, from a technical perspective, that it's actually recovering quite nicely. It's not mm. not much different from our market when you look at the overall market unfolding. And I guess that's the yardstick for me. I look at the yep. stock price, see how it's compared, to, um, comparing to our overall market's recovery, and then see where that is in relation to where um, b before COVID hit to really gauge what's happening. But like I said, you know, it needs to hold above $3 to confirm that it's going to continue up, but it looks good at the moment. Cool. Mm. All right, now we have a question from Jason who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. I've read Accelerate Your Wealth and am halfway through How to Beat the Manage Funds by 20%. Fantastic. It's great. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. Um, what, uh, using what I'm learning, my question is on AGL. Their earnings have been increasing 
since 2016. They have a 7% yield and they are in the top um, ASX 50, but their share price has been dropping since May 2017. From reading your book, I think this one is that I put on the watch list. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts and Janine's point of view, good or bad. I'm currently halfway through doing a diploma in financial planning. Oh, fantastic. And uh, soon would like to do your diploma course after I've finished. Um, I've been trading on the share market for three years. Now, you gave me this because it's a long one, don't you? Yeah, um, I've we been trading on it. <laughs> Share market for three years now, first with fundamentals, but now a lot more with technical analysis. I think it helps more with knowing when to get in and out on trades. Better regards, Jason. So, so there's two parts to this, and the reason yep. I decided to put both in is because I think there's some relevance. First, AGL is an interesting well, stock. We've shit, had a few questions it? about so, it. Oh, sorry, I'm not supposed yeah, to say it that. Came up, it came up because it's a, it's a potential opportunity down the track because it came up as part of our energy um, and sector analysis yep. or, you know, because we're doing this whole thing on mining at the moment. So that's one thing we looked at or utilities. And so mm -hmm. when we're, the next part of his questions is, or it's not really a question, but it's more about him having done, studied the Diploma of Financial Planning. And we do get a lot of people mm. coming through our courses that have uh, done the Diploma of Financial Planning. Oh, yeah. And I can remember mm. one of the ladies that came through with us and she I remember actually doing a presentation for the financial planning firm years ago and when she decided to do the course with us, she said the difference that it made in terms of the dynamics at her workplace because she was actually able to see so many things about stocks and make comments to them, you know, like why would we put clients' funds in that stock, for example. Um, you know, just having a different perspective than what the other advisors had and often men who were older Mm. So I just thought, you know, because it, and she actually said that it did give her a different way, a whole different way of looking at the world. Oh, and, it does. And I mean, a lot of times market. when I get people doing a diploma of financial planning, and it's possibly the same with this gentleman, is that they do it thinking they're going to learn how to make money mm. on the market and invest because that's what you go to a financial planner for. But going through the course, you realise all you know, all you learn is about product. Mm. You actually don't learn how to do something. But I think it's changed now since mm. the GFC. They've actually made it um, a lot more involved, right, mm. in terms of doing that diploma of financial planning. But it still doesn't teach oh, you how to... It. it doesn't teach you how to be a trader. No. Um, no, no, no. And it's but not. None of it does. We've had lots of people who've done grad certs in applied finance, bachelors in applied finance, mm. um, people with CFAs. And in fact, a CFA, if you're not sure, is called a certified financial analyst. It's a very high qualification in the US that people do. So your big top fund managers and your big hedge fund guys have CFAs in there crunching all the numbers. Now, I was sitting having lunch with somebody who's in his third, second year of CFA only last week. Mm. And he's done some of our education and he goes, Dale, the difference between what you teach and what I'm learning in this really high course is you teach us how to do it. They're just teaching us a lot of stuff that's not really relevant to mum and dad. So a lot what of, is, is it? So a lot of, yeah, well, not necessarily a lot is, but it's more relevant to the big fund end of the town. And so this is where I'm saying is the financial planning and other degrees like grad certs and applied finance mm. are very much for the big end of town, but it's doesn't translate to what you would do as an individual investor yeah. very well. And that's really where people love our mm. course because they move into it 
and they finally understand how to do it. It's about like, getting your hands dirty and well, actually working out. We've also had some people too who have said that it's mm. the course has given our course has given them the edge because yeah, other absolutely. people didn't have that qualification when they went for and jobs. And they got jobs. Yeah, mm. correct. Absolutely correct. But let's have a look, quick look at AGL because we right, did look so at it last long week. Long term downtrend yep. still in place. It's only up, been up for the last few weeks, so that mm. doesn't tell you that it's turned the corner yet. But I think it may have. Mm. However, I've still got to wait for that confirmation. Yeah. Well, yesterday mm. when I did, I actually looked at this stock yesterday on my market. Report. I said I do like it, but put it on you a didn't watch someone list. tell you in a chat somewhere that was in yeah, somebody one of else our told me it was going up, but I'm we, not we're sure how struggling you to see one. that just yet. And even mm. if you know they're right, like you know, I'm thinking the bottom's here as well. But I'm not. You it's don't. Not you don't jump in and catch a falling knife when yeah. it could just turn around and go the other yeah, way. It's so definitely not confirmed. There's no rule there. So yeah. media buy signal will be somewhere between probably three to six weeks or eight weeks yeah, away, possibly. Potentially. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next email that we have is from Enrique. Hi, Dale and Janine. Any thoughts on WTC? Oh, here's one for you. The weekly chart shows that the downtrend line has been crossed, but I did not get in until the breakout at the resistance level. I got in at 32.06. Love your opinion on the stock. Thanks. Okay, on Rick. Yeah, I've been looking at Wystack couple of mm. times. It's not a bad looking stock, actually. So 32.06, um, somewhere around here, is it? Oh, that's 32.20, just a little bit there, lower than 32.08, so yeah. So yeah, so it's broken up through this level and taken off. Mm. Um, and look, it could still continue up, but it, let's just have a look at how much it's got to go for, towards that all-time high. So from 32.06, I just want to bring that down, potentially around 20% to the high. So there's still potential there for the stock to rise. You've always got to be watching out for when they're getting close to those all-time highs because they can turn. But you probably get a trend line up underneath that as well because there's a nice trend up there and I need to get this crosshair off otherwise you're going to tell me off in a minute. Probably. That's my job. <laughs> okay. So, look, there's a nice trend up there. It looks really, really strong. Um, I liked it short term. Mm. Uh, I didn't like it more longer term. I think it's going to run out of steam soon. When you say um, short term, you're talking a few weeks from I'm here. just talking a few weeks, yeah. So that's yeah. what I thought it was. It looked good short term. Uh, but I like other stocks more medium to longer term than this one. I think yep. this one may find some resistance in, in the not too distant futures. Having a few down days at the mm. moment, which is not unusual because it did spike pretty quickly over a few days there. Yeah, look, um, it's gone one, it two, just... three, four, five days down. One, two, three, four, five, six days down. So, yeah. And at the moment, it's not going and it's, anywhere. And it's mm. got a lot of indecision there at the moment. So that's why I thought I looked at it when it broke up through there and that level and I thought, mm, I've got better options. Yeah, well, if um, it goes above mm. 32 is entry price again, yeah. then it could take off. Mm. It's just waiting for that to see if that happens and then making sure you've got the downside risk with a stop yeah. loss. So I do like it. it. I just say I'm just a bit more short term in my, my yeah. view, not okay. more so medium term. But anyway, but it does look good. But thanks for the question. Now, the next question we have is from Daniel, who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. I have a holding of a micro cap mining stock, AIS, bought at um, 4.4 cents. Uh, I initially bought this stock based off fundamentals and further growth. Looking at the charts, I would appreciate your thoughts on the direction it's heading. Cheers, Daniel. Okay, my, it is a micro cap, isn't it? It is. That? And look, it's flatlined if you look at the whole history of it. Um, but more recently, it's, actually, money. it's trying to come up off the bottom at the moment, isn't it? Hmm. So it has bottomed out quite strongly down there in 2015-16, I think it is, 2016. Hmm. And it's come back to test that. At the moment, it's moving up nicely. So... You know, the trend is there on the weekly chart. It's in a trend, which is good to see. 
What are your thoughts on it? I don't know. What's the volume on it? I, I mean, I'm, it looks really nice at the moment, although I suspect, you know, it's... It's it, a high it, risk. It's, it's a high risk stock, but if you're looking at the volume there, 1,800,000. Now, get your calculators out, everybody, or your iPhones out. Get your calculator out and multiply 1... 1.85 million. 5 million times 0.7 of a cent and then sit there and go in shock. Most of us would have the money to Is move that stock. Is it 7 cents? It's 7 cents. It's 0.7 of us. It's seven cents. Is it? Okay. It's seven cents. So okay. it's a few hundred thousand dollars that's okay. been traded on any one day. So that's why it's a, an illiquid stock and that's why we talk about it. So it's really easy. These sorts of stocks are very easily manipulated and uh, those in the know and the big end of town, meaning it could be big shareholders, they will push stocks like this around. Um, yeah, so 8% up in a day on that occasion yeah. and on the downside, it's probably... The same I like it. Volatile, I like it? it, but you know you're in profit, so just my my mm. suggestion would be made is just to make sure you've got an exit strategy underneath you, because um, when it does fall, it probably will fall quite quickly, and it'll take a lot of your profit pretty quickly. So, um, but right now, stay with it while it's going up. All right. Okay. My question again: How do I get tw two in a row? Jeez, you can give me the tough questions. Um, we've got a question from Kevin who says, Hi, Janine and Dar, my question for you is about Split IT, uh, SPT. Two months ago at $1.55, it's now trading at $1.30. It's now at my sell plan or whose rule. The trend line indicates it's downward trend and the company has just issued 4.5 million unlisted options. Not sure what effect this has on the stock. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this company for me. Cheers, Kevin. Yeah, so look, I mean, it has slipped. If there is a trend line, uptrend line in there, possible, mm. it may, we may have slipped below that line if you could get one up there. Um, but it's much harder to get I trend think lines be very challenging. in place when you've got such small dollar value stocks. Mm. You know, you've got to, it's really challenging to do that. So the re if you're wondering why mm. I put you up for this question, it's because yeah. of the liquidity of it. And you talk about um, liking some of these micro caps. So I thought, all right, you, you talk about it, so I'll let you handle it. Oh, I mean, I'm, well, we just talked about it, but you've got 11 million shares at a dollar, so it's more liquid than the other one. Now, this is probably a good question, though. I mean, mm. I know a lot of people, and I've had somebody last week said to me, go, what, this share's traded at 5 million shares? You know, mm -hmm. that's got to be liquid, doesn't it? And I said, does it? Mm. And, and they looked at me and I said, they said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I could be buying 5 million shares myself. That's it. And that could be one person buying 5 million shares. And they went, yeah. So I said, is that liquid or illiquid? Mm -hmm. Just because I bought 5 million shares. Or five yeah, no market. Yeah. Or, or it could be 5 million people buying one share. Mm. Which one's more liquid? Mm. And it's always the second one. Mm. Because if I'm the only buyer and I'm buying all the shares and I don't want to buy any more tomorrow, who are you going to sell to? Mm. And if I'm the only seller, well, who are you going to buy from? If you tried to buy them, you would mm. probably ramp the price like we've seen on the chart there. Yeah, so it's it's so when you're looking at liquidity, everybody, it's not just about what's, what you see in volume. It's about how many people are actively transacting in that stock as well. Now, the question they're going to ask us next week, which it's not possible to answer is how do you know that? How do you know how many people are participating? And the only way you can figure it out is to know the course of trades in, in the ASX. And it used to always be in the financial review and it's not anymore. Look, you don't so, need to know that. But you don't need to know that. No. The chart I mean, tells us yeah, a lot. Look, just looking at the liquidity in terms of, hmm. you know, the, the value that's traded. No, I was going to send day. everybody looking at all the newspapers trying <laughs> to find it. Yeah, that's what people used to do to us. When, when, whenever you, when people first started in the stock market, there hmm. were things 
things that they got you to do, which you just did not need to do. Like left-handed like screwdrivers. Yes, Something that's like happened that. to me when I've started out <laughs> in my career yeah. many years ago. So look, um, so SPT, hmm. um, hmm. I think it's broken on the downside of this sideways move that we've seen over a number of weeks. Hmm. And it really has to get back above 140, 150 to confirm that it's not going to fall further because it could. Okay, cool. Mm. All right. As I said, All I right. don't mind at the moment. I just want to make sure he's already down 20 cents, mm. which is enough. It's, he said it's hit his exit strategy. So if, it, if it's hit your exit strategy and it has actually triggered your exit, then you just need to exit. It's That's simple, pretty much it? what it is. Um, and I know traders sometimes say, hey, Dale, this stock's triggered my exit. What should I do? And the only answer you'll ever get from Janine and I is if it's matched your rules, then do what your rules say. So please mm. do that. Um, for those of you, we've had a few people mentioning my book and we had a few more emails again this week about my book. I do have two books. This is my first book and that's the one that you can get for free. You just pay their shipping. Our girls are wearing their fingers out, sending them out for everybody wanting them for Christmas presents. Just go to the homepage on our website, go up to the top, click on the special offer. Don't try and get it in the bookshop. Uh, it'll be a different price. So on the homepage, um, as I said, just pay shipping and you get the book for free. So have a good read of it. And really, it will help. It will change your life and how you invest and help you get more solid analysis underneath what you're doing and then give you a lot more structure and strategy so you do profit more. But um, I think we need to move on now, don't we, Janine? Yes, we that's definitely do. talking about my book. I hope that you're enjoying the show so far. We've been enjoying listening to Dale. I think everybody should buy three books. <laughs> Before we get into... Uh, the rest of it now, it's a perfect time to hit that subscribe button and also like the video. So go ahead, be my guest and please do. Now, tonight, um, I think it's time we get into the topic now, oh, isn't I hope it? so. so I'm waiting for it. Yeah, you're hanging on the edge of your seat. Five top trading tips for buying the best mining stocks. Now, there are signs that the next phase of another mining boom is underway. Remember, when, when people talk about a lot of negativity then often there's a lot going on behind that that they don't want you to know about. Sorry, and so there will be opportunities to profit um, if you have the right knowledge and put this into practice to develop your skills over the coming year and beyond. Now, mining stocks all have a personality just like you and me and this man sitting next to me. Like me, I, they can be quite volatile. Right? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> So they can be challenging to trade. However, their volatility also makes them some of the best stocks to derive an income from when trading the stock market. Now, mining stocks are also very cyclical, right? So what does that mean? Well, we can talk about that soon and can move quite fast over short periods. This is part of what attracts traders to them. And these same traits also mean mining stocks are very risky, especially for those who have not been trained properly. So tonight we want to discuss five top trading tips that you need to be aware of when trading to select um, stocks for your watch list or start to trade the best mining stocks. Because the more knowledge that you have, the more you learn how to develop your skills and the lower your risk and, of course, the greater your probability of making a profit. Okay. So shall we get into it? I'm ready. Part? I'm revving up for it. Yeah, go for okay. it. Oh, so it's me again. I thought you were going to show me some charts. <laughs> That's what you said. First up is charts. But anyway, firstly up, we're going to be talking about mining stocks tonight. So why not some other sector? Okay, good question. I know, that's why I asked it. Well, look, I guess it's because we've got to be consistent with what we've been talking about on we recent gold shows. Gold last week. So we're talking Energy about... stocks the week before. Yeah, but we're still talking about mining as a, as a big picture perspective. Mm. So all of these are part of that, um, you know, the, the, the group of shares that fit under mining shares. Can I also explain and a little in, bit more? Yes. Okay, in the US, mm. S&P 500, what drives that? 
The S&P 500. Yeah, the, in the US. The big stocks. Yeah, but which? Mm. what type of stocks are they? Well, there's more. There's a lot of tech stocks more that tech. drive it, so about 23% of the market. Yeah, so some of our big stocks, yeah. our market's much more financials and materials. Oh, definitely. And mining. Yeah, so if around 30% mm. of financials and then there's a big weighting mm. to uh, materials and energy, mm. like as a group, because mm. energy is a smaller one. But, yeah, it's a smaller one, yeah. But as a group, so then you've got the bulk of the market in mm. those two pretty much yeah. in those two areas. And let's face it, that if mining stocks are doing what they're supposed to do, then the financial stocks will be benefiting in some way because mm. the financial stocks have always got their fingers in different pies, haven't Correct. they? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And they've so that's got why our market's capital. been a little bit subdued this year because of financials and mining stocks have not yeah. been performing and this as well. And this is not the first time we've seen that happen, of mm. course, not just because of COVID. We've seen this happen. Yep. You know, we've talked about the two-speed economy in the past before, mm -hmm. where we've had mining and financials, taking one taking the back seat and the other one leading, the other one lagging. Mm -hmm. So often they'll swap, but sometimes when they're moving together, that's when we get the biggest moves on our market, and that's why it generally goes up the most. Mm. Okay, so what okay. are we going to look at? We're going to look at the charts now for start yeah, off. Yeah, so we've got... First of all, we're going to have a quick look at the sectors. So mm -hmm. you can see there that energy is still going up. So yep. for the week, we've got the energy sector moving up materials is going up 2.4%. Now, these are all moves off bottoms, right? So yes. we're talking about long-term opportunities, medium to long-term opportunities that are off these sectors, which means there isn't a rush to get in at the bottom. Yep. Because often the bottoms are where these um, sectors particularly that can be very volatile, will be quite volatile and will whip traders in and out. Which is why we said to wait on AGL. Well, that's a classic reason, one of the reasons to mm. wait on, a, on that type of share. Yep. Um, but looking at, um, so if we're looking at these two sectors across here, you can see materials, if it's up for the month, let's just have a look um, for the week, sorry, for the year to see where we're at. So we can see energy still at the bottom, down 28. So it's still got a fair way to go. Utilities is down 14.5. So, you know, these sorts of areas, um, energy, utilities, materials. It's only up 4.9 for the year. It's up 3% 3 this week. Yeah. Now, the average moves on stock mm. markets tend to be around 7% over time. But that can vary depending on where you start, mm. where you draw the line in the sand. Because mm. you could, if you're talking about, you know, the low in 2003 before the ramp up in the GFC, well, and you were comparing that to where the market is now, that's one thing. But if you're comparing the, the 2006 or 2007 where the market was versus where it is now, that's a whole different a whole return, different, isn't it? Yeah, correct. So it really is about a starting point as well mm. in the whole scheme of things. And I think, you know, that's why um, energy, utilities, uh, materials are all positioned well going forward over the coming years, okay. I think. So it's mm. now the time to get into the tips? So look... <laughs> You Not yet. Okay. I think we do. I think I think this is the starting point to move okay. into the to the tips. So now let's run through our top five tips for buying the best mining stocks. And to do this, that we'll use two mining stocks to assist in illustrating what you need to know. Okay. Can you imagine what those stocks are right now? I'd say my guess, knowing mm. you, BHP will be one of them. Yeah. And the other one will be some stock I've never heard of in my life before. <laughs> okay, because we want to have a look no? at. I haven't picked a, a bottom dweller, which you're probably oh, you probably surprised at. Okay, but I've picked a, a more volatile share. A more volatile. Yeah. Okay, so, I don't like bottom dwellers. No. <laughs> okay. See, BHP is an interesting one because it bounces around a lot. Mm. It gaps because it's it's trading on um, more than one market. So you've got that that um, shift happening in, in overnight markets. So the first tip we've got is understand the personality of the stocks that you intend to trade because everybody's looking for the next big winner mm. and they're forgetting about 
really understanding the share that they're, they're trading. So how does it move? How volatile is it? How liquid is the share, as we were talking about before? And match this information with your level of experience in the market. So, you know, for, so for example, like why would somebody trade one of those little microtech stocks if they'd never learned how to trade properly? You, you just they're, wouldn't. They're it's high risk, yeah. Um, and why is this information important? Well, the real answer to this question is simply that you'll, you'll significantly reduce your probability of making a return from the shares that you trade if you don't know the answers to these questions. Mm. So that's the reality of it for traders. We, we see the statistics all the time. We get told by brokers what happens to people when they open their accounts and, and how long they're in the marketplace for. So I think we should have a chat about liquidity and volatility and on these stocks. Yep, we should do all that sort of stuff. So let's show yep. them what we mean by liquidity and volatility. All yep. I, I just Before I just explain a bit about liquidity, so it's number of shares being traded. Yep. And the number of participants or the activity there, is it, is it freely traded amongst multiple different parties? Because I know if yep. you're in a house auction, you know, and you want to buy the house, you want to be the only person at the auction bidding because the, the, the buyer's going to come to you. Yes. You don't want to be there against a thousand people. Yeah, so what you're saying is you don't want liquidity mm. in the market in a, in a property sale. Is that what Correct. you're saying? Well, mm. you don't want that to buy the property, but if you're the seller of the mm. property, you want a thousand people there all building against yeah. it because you get the best price. So, but at the end of the day, somebody gets it. But when you're buying in the market with stocks, you need mm. buyers and sellers, Correct. otherwise, you don't have that liquidity. Yeah. And you can yeah. generally tell that when you're looking at the bid and ask price, which you look at the depth of the market and you'll see the bid and ask price. If you see a big spread between those two, you know it's not very liquid. Even though it might be trading a million or 10 million shares, if there's a big difference between the bid and ask price, it generally means there's not a lot of participation or the buyers and sellers aren't equal. Um, and when they get equal, then a transaction happens. So that's one yeah. little tip. To yeah, someone asked a question, which I didn't put it in the list of mm. questions for tonight because yeah. they, had a two qu they had two questions and one of them was a stock, mm. which I'm always going to go for over a general question. But, um, you know, it was more about people putting a one, I think it was one trade in or one, one unit or mm. one dollar or something like that. And they could see the depth of the market and there were all these individual transactions going in. And how does that happen? Yeah. Yeah, and that's more the algo. They're all the algos. Them. They might buy one and two shares or 10 shares at a time, all those algos running. So just be careful not to get sort of swayed by that sort of stuff. Um, really do look at the chart and see what it's doing. But on the chart, we're looking at BHP now, yeah? So you want to talk yeah. a bit about BHP? So we're talking about liquidity, okay? Yeah. So here, so if we're looking at liquidity, we can see there that, okay, yeah. the graph changes at the bottom. Mm -hmm. We get spike volume in, the, in, in particular um, points of time with BHP like you would with any stock. But the underlying volume that we see for BHP is really solid. You know, mm. you're talking 23 million a week um, traded for BHP, which when you look at the share price of BHP, you multiply that out, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. So it's you have huge. no issues about getting your stock and then putting it onto the market or buying the stock when you need to. So okay. even if you bought BHP and then you decided to get out of it and sell it, you could do it really easily. And that's really the point, especially when you're learning, you need mm -hmm. to be able to, you don't want to add complexities to your trading that you don't need to. You want to keep it as simple as you possibly can because you've already got complexities, you know, with um, a mining stock, you've got all the underlyings with a mining stock. So mm -hmm. things that can affect a mining share are the exchange, exchange rates, rates, interest rates, interest you know, rates commodity, commodity prices. prices. You've got all of that, as Dale's mm. saying, mm. Um, you know, affecting the share price. Plus, you've got issues to do with mines, shutdowns, mm. um, anything that can happen, geopolitical issues that can occur, 
to affect the company. I'm feeling depressed now. I don't want to buy a mining stock after all of it. But that's why you don't, look, you don't need to look at all of these things mm. necessarily when you're starting out, but you need to have an awareness of what okay. affects the share price Okay, on so a let's stock. move on because we've got to show me the other stock and we've got four more, three more tips to do. Yep, so we know that BHP trades and it actually can trade and trend really nicely. So can we just look at that quickly? Just No. See, there's a nice trend with BHP's share anyway. price. Okay. <laughs> We need to look at this for point of comparison Beach just Energy, quickly. Yeah, which is a good stock. Beach Energy is another one, but of course, much more volatile. It's a smaller share. Mm. I think this has got some really nice opportunities in yeah, it, like Beach, it. at the moment. And um, you can see how it's traded over the history of it. It's mm. all over the place. But once it gets into a, a decent trend, that you can make a sh nice short to medium term return from such a share. But it's about getting in at the right time, not not trying to jump in at a peak where, where it's trading because often you can get whipped out on the moves down. So you've, you've just got to understand how it rises and how it falls. You've got to have much more sensitive rules of entry and exit yeah, on these yeah. sorts of stuff, which means so, you need to have much more knowledgeable. Well, you, we're coming to that bit, so you're can jumping I, oh, in. Oh, oh, sorry. So I'll get to tip, tip number two. Now, when selecting stocks to trade, never buy a share on news, a tip or someone's opinion. This is particularly important for mining stocks as they tend to be more volatile than most stocks in, uh, in other sectors and are therefore prone to market manipulation. I'll say that again, market manipulation happens all the time. Um, we're often asked why after a positive announcement about the company's performance does the share price fall? That's yeah. a really great question, isn't it? We get asked all the time. And it simple is, is when you want to sell something, at the point of time is when everybody else wants it. So if somebody's got, if they put out the best news on the stock, then everybody goes, wow, I should buy that. And those wanting to sell it will sell into it. And they're generally the big players on the marketplace or the directors, people like that, will downsell into that positive news and you'll see it drop. And I mean, how many times did Combank report all-time record profits and mm. fall 25% yeah, afterwards? Yeah. Mm. It just happens. And on mining stocks, it happens more because they're generally a little bit more volatile. Well, not immediately, but not over immediately, time. But it does happen. So it really, really does happen. So you've got to be really careful and, um, and making sure you're, you're not taking tips off chat forums there. Mining stocks tend to be ramped all of the time in chat form for people, especially the very low cap ones, yep. the ones in the cents that trade in cents. Now, tip three, if you want to trade for income, less is more. You can make all of your money off mm. four or five mining stocks. And those who are serious about trading for income know that they need structure and a process to do this well. And this does not mean skimming a few cents here and there because that's what people do if they don't have solid rules. And trying to trade this way means that you're unlikely to achieve a reliable level of income from your trading. Mm. So this is a common thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I'd say that when people start out in the stock market, it's about sort of dipping your toe in the water and people think, oh, I'll just put a few dollars in, see if I can make, you know, maybe 50 bucks or 100 bucks and then take that and then try it again. That's, they do. But it's really setting them up for really a bad process. Yeah, but it's about making money. Everything's about mm. making money at the lowest possible risk and having your money at risk for the least amount of time. But that's why they're doing that. Correct. You know, but it's not the right way, is it? But they're looking at a lolly shop full of smorgasbords of stock. So they're mm. scanning the market looking for hundreds of stocks to try and find the best opportunities. And by doing that, they're missing the best opportunities. Yeah. They're just finding any opportunity. Well, they might whereas... just hear somebody talking about a share and yeah. then buying But you can't it. know 100 stocks. I can't... I you and me can't know intimately 100 stocks and with all our knowledge, mm. you know, but we can apply well, our we knowledge know to them. them. Like, you know, we know what the chart looks like in our yeah. head mm. but in terms of overall, but we might not know all the day-to-day -day moves. Correct. So mm. therefore we put some analysis on it to, yeah. to learn all that. But if we're trading stuff like mining stocks and they're quite volatile, you do need mm. to know them backwards. You need to know when they hiccup, when they're going to 
go up when they're going to go down and the rules around that and have a solid understanding of what you're going to do. Otherwise, you're going to get it wrong more than you're going to get it right. So that's why we're talking about narrowing your focus to a smaller number of stocks that you know really, really well. And seriously, you will make all your money on those few stocks, maybe four stocks, you'll make all your money on them. Tip number four, if you're serious about trading short term for income, you need to be really disciplined in your process for determining the right set of rules for a particular stock. And then you must follow through and trade those particular rules. If you are willing to put in the time and effort to working this out, the rewards from trading short term can be significant. And when we say significant, we mean phenomenally significant. It's about, I always say you need to earn the right to be a good trader. And that means putting the time and effort in to understand the stock and develop the right rules and strategies for that. And then it's just move the decimal place one point to the right. If you can make 10%, and get that right, then you just move the decimal point one place to the right and you'll make 100%. And then move it to right again and make 1,000% because you can just add leveraging into it. And we've talked about that before on, yeah, when on, you other, prove yourself. on, on other different mm. shows that we've done in the past, but you need to prove yourself first. Yeah, I mean, I've, we've just seen some mm. amazing traders come through mm. who are developing their strategies yeah. and then and working out um, a plan and, and sticking to it, which is fantastic, and getting the results. So I'm really excited for the group of traders that are coming through, and we're, we're going to be mentoring those 12 new... Then 10, the 10 um, ones, yeah. I thought you said you no, were going to do a 10. baker's dog. That's no, what I asked you to no, do no, a baker's dog. That's what you said last week, so... Only, He's doing a baker's dog. No, we're not. No, we're not. Tip right, number five. Tip five, remember, the higher the risk you take in the market, the greater the level of knowledge that you require to make an independent, educated trader. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that one for? I'm just laughing at you. Okay, so we know, we all know that... Um, well, what the, well these first, things, can I say something? I'm yeah. sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but I am. Mm -hmm. um, but it's easy for us to say, but what does it really mean? I mean, we often say that you need this, but what does it actually mean to people? Yeah, look, I mean, I think if you were thinking about um, your current process and the yep. way that your mindset is now, you know, you, you blink it and you, don't, you, you might not even, you probably know it intuitively that that's the way you're looking mm -hmm. at the market, but you really don't know it until somebody opens up that mind of yours and gets you to see in a full, you know, 180 degree can, view. Can I ask a question then? Yes. Well, actually, I'm asking a question of everybody watching. If I, were, I asked you to rate yourself out of one to 10 on how good you think you are as a trader, how knowledgeable and experienced you are, what number would you give it? Think of that in your head right now. Okay. Now, compare yourself against Janine. So if Janine's a 10, where do you think you are? Do you still think where you were at that same level or not? Or is Janine way ahead of you? And what I find most often enough is that people overestimate their knowledge and abilities. When we start talking to them, we start going, what do you do, how do you do it? They start going sliding down the scale because they have information, but they're not educated. Mm. And that's really what we're sort of saying here is you need to have, you know, really good solid rules and experience and knowledge to be able to trade these sorts of stocks. Otherwise, mm. you're guessing a lot. Well, you just you look at Beach as an example of the way yeah. that this stock moves. And it is so volatile. I mean, just look at that weekly chart. It's a classic. You need to yeah. have rules to trade this because one minute it could be Otherwise trading sideways mm. and the next minute it's going up. So you want to be out when it's cool. telling you to be out and you want to be in there to make the most money cool. when you can. So that's our five rules. Mm. That's it. I thought you were going to say, and do the course. Well, they can do the course because that's what they should be doing. But anyway, but that's our five tips. So now we need <laughs> to move on. I didn't ask him to say that. Now let's get into some more emails. But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. And whilst you are there, give us a big thumbs up and click on the like button. Now we've got a question from Peter. Um, Peter says, hi, Dale. You often draw momentum gradients on bar charts to represent the, medi the medium you expect 
um, a certain stock to follow as it progresses. And this is not so hard to decide where this line might be drawn for most stocks, but when you have stocks such as CSL that have a very good rising profit history, how is the average momentum determined? Appreciate your advice, Peter. Jeez, Where's he? I think he needs to give me his credit card and I'll charge him $50,000 for that answer. <laughs> no, I won't do that. Um, some stocks, it's, it's a bit harder and that's it. As you, you're quite right and I do it and I show people doing that on the chart because it's something... How do I say it? It's like a quick and dirty, if that makes sense, without being rude. It's so you're not talking about a trend line. You're just talking no, about I'm just an, talking the about angle a, of a rise, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so let's bring... Have you got CSL Yeah, CSL's up? there, the monthly yeah, so chart's probably... I'll put my glasses on so I can see. Actually, his point was it might yeah. not be easy on CSL, but the monthly chart's probably one of the easiest charts. Yeah, always go to CSL. the monthly chart first and always bring up all the data. And you yeah. can see here that if I draw a momentum line from here, it's probably going to be more flat. But what, you, what you're going to do, if I broke this up into, let's say three or four sections, maybe of five to 10 years at a time or 20 years at a time, you'll see momentum changes on a stock. So if I bring it, do this, and we go back, you can do it in smaller bits of time, mate. And that's really what you do. So if I get my little trend line tool. But it's not a trend line you're drawing. Let's make no, that clear. No, it's not a trend line I'm drawing, but I'm just it's using just my tool. It's just an angle. So the momentum here is roughly about there on this. Um, and then I go back and the momentum for this period of time is there. So this is 99 to 2002, so shorter periods of time. But let's just scroll back. But what are you really showing? Because you're only really showing this as a talking point to show that a stock's been rising at a faster angle. That's all you're really trying Correct. to show, Correct. That's all it? I'm saying. What's the momentum? But you can see here this is now over 2003 to 2000. But how does that help someone in their trading? Well, it shows them on normal stocks, like I said, this one keeps changing its momentum. So that's why you're saying it's a little bit harder. So what is the momentum on on here? Now, you can see its momentum keeps changing. Yeah. And it but it's just, not a rule, though. No, it's not a rule. I'm not saying it's a buy and sell rule. You're trying to give me a hard time. I am. You are trying to give me a hard time. Right now, this stock is running quite hard in its momentum compared to what it was. But you would think it would come back to this sort of line. But when you're looking at another stock, you might say, let's say a BHP, go back to BHP, it might be on a different momentum. And that's all he's saying. Some stocks are a lot easier, whereas these big volatile stocks, it's a lot harder. Yeah, they're chop, chop up a, and down. It is mm. a lot harder. But when you're looking at a Telstra, which I, I don't think we've got up here, um, real easy to do. Mm. And all I'm saying is, is stocks will move away from it, accelerate from its normal momentum and then come back to it. It'll go yep. underneath it a bit, but come back to it. So that's what he's saying I do on my charts all the time on the Look, Monday this reports. could be a way that people select easier stocks to trade yeah. because it's just showing that something sticks to the angle of a trend mm. and it's more orderly, really. So keep drawing mm. them, mate. Keep drawing them. <laughs> um, the next question we got is from oh, one of our trading mentor students, Caleb. Hi, Caleb. Maybe I've, I know I've answered a few questions for you. He says, hi, Dale and Janine. Would love your input on share buybacks in general. What impact do they have on the share price? I purchased ALD or Ampol um, on the um, 11th of the 11th, 20 on whatever that, what's that, that's day, 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month, um, because it passed 26.65. Uh, now I have a share buyback offer released today. Um, what I don't understand is why I should sell these shares back to ALD at a discount in a buyback when I believe they're going up in value or am I missing something? I think ALD will continue to rise to, to, due to the great EPS growth and undervalued PE ratio relative to the market average. It is an energy stock to boot. Your books and trading mental course have paid for themselves this year. Thank you. Kind regards, Caleb. Fantastic. That's really good to hear, isn't it? Look, yeah, look, I generally don't, you know, when they're doing a buyback, often that will prop up the share price. Yeah, but he's right. But why would I sell them back at a discounted price to them? 
Yeah, well, that's a question, isn't it? I mm. mean, it's a logical question to ask. Normally, when they do a buyback, they do it over a range, and there's a bid bidding mm. process for but it. Sometimes they also give you an incentive, like special dividends or extra yeah, payments. Yeah, you've got to read tax, the, yeah. the, the um, detailed booklet that comes Otherwise, out. they've got, they're not, why would you do it? Otherwise, they would just do an mm. on-market buyback and just dribble feed them, buy them off the market as they're trading and they would do that sort of stuff. I but, think what's and, more interesting, is it's going to be interesting to watch mm. what happens after mm. the buyback. I'd also be interested to know what percentage of the, the stock on issue that they're buying back to see how much that's like. So why do they do a buyback? That's probably a good question. Well, look, when... Um, there are situations in the economy when mm -hmm. companies are actually, for whatever reason, not able to do what they could with their capital to generate a return for shareholders. And so often it's because big institutional investors put pressure on the boards of these companies to do something with that capital management. So if they're not going to invest the capital, what are they going to do with it? So they if they've got a lot of cash in the bank, they yeah, say they can do something with it. buy back the stock and then that helps prop the share price and support the share price. So it's generally a good sign. It's usually a good sign, but not always, because I've seen plenty of buybacks where the share price has gone south Can afterwards. I ask you more tough questions? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going to. But I think it's a sign of the times mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. that they're doing this. Yeah, I think it's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, there'd be a few companies cashed up at the moment mm -hmm. looking at doing this anyway. But yep. great question. Very good okay, question, Okay, we have Caleb. a question from Steve. Thanks, Steve. Hi, Dale and Janine. Okay, so now... Um, oh, first of all, there were some comments before this part of Steve's email. He's Was just, there? yeah, so I haven't put those in there, but he said, okay, now that I've butted you up, oh. lol, <laughs> what's your thoughts on Blackmores? So um, I've got 12,000 invested at the buy in average price of 95,000. So, yes, I'm in the red by 2K. Uh, this is certainly an example of what you talked about um, in tonight's show. So, that was a previous show regarding dollar cost averages. You're right, it doesn't work as if I'm lucky enough to break even. It will have taken me somewhere around 18 months to achieve that positive and that money could have been better invested elsewhere. Anyway, I'm thinking the way this stock has trended over the last six months that there could there may be a chance of it surging upwards if you can reach $86 or so regards Steve. So we're, we're having a good look at um, Blackmore's there. You can see, I think it looks really nice how it's too. bottomed off there. Um, I'm liking it and... Um, you know, I think there's some really positive moves to come on this share price over the coming months and yeah. possibly into the end of 2021. Yeah, I think there's an old saying, um, you know, that you make money when you buy, not necessarily when you sell. So if you buy right, you can, you'll make the money. And, and I think all you've done is buy at wrong time, not the right time. But I, I'm agreeing with Janine, the share does look really nice at the moment. At this stage, I think you'll get your money back and you'll get back into profit. So, but again, you need to set some rules around that as well about buying and need to set some rules around your selling. So to always protect your downside. Now you're only down about 2K, you said you put 12K into it. So you're down about 2K, which is a little bit more than what we would normally suggest for our stop loss. You're still in it. But it's, it's his decision to decide yeah. what his stop loss is. Correct. Um, but now that the stock's moving up, you've got to sort mm. of decide, well, where am I going to cut my losses if it does start to fall away again? Really? So where would you do that? Um, well, look, it depends on what I bought it at. But if I bought it at $95, well, and I'd be sitting there, I'd still set my stop loss at whatever was a reasonable percentage below that. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So that's really what we'd be doing, mate, is when you bought it. But just tidy up your buy price um, to make sure that when you are getting into the stock that you're getting in at a better place for you. Make sure you set your stop loss. Obviously, in my book, I talk about a 15% stop loss. I use other ones like a trend line in my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. There are trailing stop loss, so you can use those as well. But yep. whatever that is, but right now... I'd it, like to it's see looking... it go up a little bit more, come back, yeah. and after a pullback, 
arise again to confirm yeah. that. So don't be surprised if it sort of gets up to about $90, backs a bit, and then goes back up again. So, um, But look, as I said, I wish you well, and uh, always welcome to ask us another question down the track again anyway. But now we have a question from, I think it's Falzia, that yep. if we say that. It says, hi, Dale and Janine. I'm looking at buying Monodolphus, and it looks to be trending. I uh, would love your opinion. Thanks and regards, Falzia. Yeah, Monodolphus has just started looking good again mm. after so long. Um, you know, I've had this big well, pullback. Wally's been running all right for a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so we're seeing this move off a bottom now, mm. potentially. So that's an interesting move there off the bottom. Mm. And potential break up out of this sideways congestion that we've seen here. But the volume's dropping. So, you know, that's something that interesting that, you know, you'd have to keep an mm. eye on and see what happens over the next couple of weeks. So I'm looking at... The share price, I think this little trend is really nice on the on the stock. It is looking nice. Yeah, it's gapped up, um, which is interesting. But look, let's just have a look on the weekly. It looks solid. I'd just say have a really good set of rules to trade this. This is a stock that you can actually back test quite nicely and get you a can. good set of rules on it. You can. Mm. This is sort of the darling before A2 Milk became a darling, wasn't it? <laughs> Back about 10 years ago. Your monodelphus was talked about. Like mm. there, is, there are phases that the, the brokers go through of talking about a couple of stocks and that's all they talk about. Mm. Yeah, And then all of a sudden they switch to another one. So <laughs> cool. create another story. Um, the next question that we have is from Simon. Hi, Dale and Janine. I'd also love your opinions on Wally. Speaking of Wally, yeah, you, you very yeah. briefly touched on it a few weeks ago and I had bought it. On the 15th of October at 10.56, after seeing it slowly trending upwards with a gap to fill. After I bought in, the share promptly dropped um, around 10% and getting very close to my stop loss, but they have now recovered to fill that gap and more. How do you see this stock carrying on? Thanks, Simon. So, um, Should I leave that up to you? Simon you like says Wally. Um, yeah, Wally's great. Um, and looks I think it looks fantastic. Nice. And look, this stock, if you go in back and have a look at the history of this thing, you know, Having looked at this for so long, I can't. I can remember watching this fall in the GFC and then seeing it then decline into this low. Just this amazing pattern that unfolded. It's a textbook. If you do um, some of, whether you do the diploma and then go on to our advanced course, some of the patterns that you see in the diploma and the patterns you see in the advanced course, it just blows your mind how stocks actually oh, move to these patterns, yeah. um, which make it more predictable in the medium to long term, but sometimes in the shorter term, these mining related stocks can actually take you out on the stops. That's just part of trading anyway. Um, but looking at it now, it looks really good. So we're really excited about this one at the moment. Mm. Yeah, we are. And you're right. I mean, I do like this stock. It looks good. I think, you know, the last few weeks it's gone a bit fast. Mm. It's gapped right up pretty fast. So I think you're probably going to be a bit of a slowdown. If you're down. not in it, it's if probably, If you're not in it, you know, it's probably a bit too late if uh, yeah, you need to, to give it a bit of a break because I think it'll probably come back over the next one or two weeks and just ease off. And this is what that momentum we're talking about mm. a bit earlier, because you'll get stocks that'll shoot away going really fast and faster in time and price than they normally would. Then they come back to their normal momentum, but they might go below it a little bit and then they'll shoot off again. And But some stocks like a Telstra are quite steady when they run. Look, I can tell you, if mm. this stock get, if mm. someone comes out for a bid for this stock to try to take it over, I will be screaming at the top of the hills because trying to tell the board you are crazy, do not accept any offer for this share because long term it's got huge a huge mm. future from mm. a technical perspective. So there's my take on that one. There's your take on it. Okay. Yeah. You're going to tell everybody that about our special offer for our course? We've still got other things to talk about. Have we? Okay, we won't talk about that. Anyway, we've got a question from all the next emails from another one from Caleb. You put a second one in. What do you like, Caleb? <laughs> He's getting special treatment, mate, because you're a student and... Look, 
I wasn't mm. sure if he actually wanted us to put this one up or whether oh. he wanted it to be directly. He didn't say not to put it up. So, look, um, he wants us to revisit the portfolio review that we did some time ago. Remember when you oh, yeah. you put out that um, question to everybody and said you, you oh, do well, a one-off crit 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 um, critique, critique of, of a portfolio to discuss portfolio construction? That was one of our yeah. um, topics we did. I think it was last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we, we ended up had about five portfolios yeah. or six. And, um, and, yeah, Caleb's was one of them we briefly touched on his, but we really got back into one of them and we sort of pulled it apart and so... Um, and Caleb um, in his email said that prompted him to enrol in the trading mentor, which is, as you saw, has been a, a very profitable bit of decisions. And he says his returns have, have turned around from underperforming the ASX to outperforming the ASX and such a valuable segment um, in his opinion. So oh, thank you. what I might do that, if you want me to look at your portfolio, please um, send it through now. Before you go, I'm just going to put the stock codes in. That's not enough. I need you to put when you bought it, your buy price, how many stocks you have. So if you bought 1,000 BHP shares on the 1st of November for $40, I need to know all of that data. So when did you buy it? So what date did you buy it? What price did you pay for it? How many stocks you do have? And put all that in a spreadsheet. I don't want in a Word doc. I want in a complete spreadsheet because I don't have to do a lot of work calculating things for you. But I will pick one that we'll have a look at next week and we'll critique it. What do you but reckon? Caleb's come up with the idea, so why don't you look at his? Well, he can do that anyway. He can send it to me personally. Mm, but you're not going to give personal financial advice. You're no, just going but to. It's have just a look between me and Caleb because we're mates now. He talks to me all the time. I don't know. He does. Thanks, ask Caleb. Him. Look, the final email is from Robert. Hi, Dale and Janine. I looked at, a go uh, at gold a couple of months ago and looked at ABC Gold Bullion. Now, we talked about gold this month, and he's given a website there um, for looking at the price of gold in Aussie dollars and also in US dollars. So after someone mentioned it, they had made a lot of profit in gold. And now my overview was that gold in Australian dollars did rise, but it was bullish over the long term, while in uh, US dollars it had peaked in 2011, then dropped off and didn't do much and went up rather sharply. So... It's more about the value of the dollar as well, and I'm sure that you've seen this before, but just thought I would share. Well, thanks, Robert. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't say that he didn't want us to share it on the show, so I thought we'll, we'll mm -hmm. bring that up as well because I thought it was a really good point. Well, it is interesting. It's really all I'm, all that question is, is about is just exchange rates. Mm. really is because the price of gold is the price of gold worldwide. It's always in US dollars. Mm. So then it's just... Do you, do you value it in Convert US? Convert it back. Convert it back into your own current currency, whatever else. Now, obviously, with the US, with their currency, they just, for, for decades, they've just been printing more money. Mm. So, therefore, they're, what they've been doing is devaluing their currency against gold. Because back when Nixon was president, he uncoupled gold to the currency. So, the currency wasn't backed by gold. And so, at that from that point of Called on, the gold standard. They created fiat currencies, and so the gold standard was gone. But from that point on, you started seeing countries really printing money. And the US is king of this. They keep printing more money, printing more money. So the real value of the currency in the US is dramatically devalued um, since they did that. And I'm seriously devalued since they did that, whereas Australia hasn't been printing money. So that's probably the main difference from, uh, I suppose, a big systemic risk. But that's until recently, as Janine said, we've had the GFC, so we had to have the quantity of easing with the GFC. So that put us more into debt. We were looking like getting out of that pretty, not too far down before COVID hit us. And now we're back into big 
sort of debt. So that's probably the real difference between gold. Our currency hasn't devalued as much against gold because we haven't been printing as much money against the US. But it just it's any sort of international investment that you do. Mm. There's always two components. The investment itself, whether it's gold or a stock or whether it's a, a house or a building or whatever it is, and then the currency or the exchange rates because you could be making money on the investment but the exchange rate could be going the opposite direction and ending up your profits or you could be making double profits the current the investment could be going up and the currency be could could be going up and you could be making more money from all that but it does really pay to know and that's why we often say to people if you're investing offshore you really need to understand the currency risk that you're actually taking because you're adding another layer of complexity to investment and there's there's so many investments in Australia that you can look after yourself and make good money on. Okay, um, last Was week we asked... Yeah, that's you? great and okay. we're, we're now, we've got a minute to go. Okay. Last week we asked you to tell us which of the gold stocks we talked about tonight do you think is the best? And we had lots of awesome responses and picked one to read. Now, this was from Francois. Now, why did you pick Francois? Because he bought me a beer once. I knew that was the answer. Hi, Dale and Janine. And he'll buy me another one one day. Thanks, Francois. <laughs> Thanks again for an awesome show. As always, it's great, uh, filled with great info and, and banter. Um, of all the five, or was it seven, gold stocks Janine had up tonight, and that was a previous show, I liked Oz the best, and I had my eye on it for a while and would want to buy this stock if it rises above 1674 as I see a possible entry there. So that's what he's commented on, the Oz. Oh, so Oz. you're, you're going to look at Oz for him or you're not? Well, we've run out of time now, so we might have to do that on another show if he writes in nicely about it. Oh, look, I'll, I'll answer you, mate, privately. Okay. Don't you worry about it. I'll well, look he didn't you. buy the beer for me. He bought it for you. Okay. okay. Fine. Um, tonight's question is, if you had to buy one stock for someone for a Christmas present, what would it be? And who are you buying for and why? Now, that's thanks to our... Um, awesome director or producer um, who's behind the scenes. He's thought mm. of that question tonight and we, we'd like that one. So which we? stock would you stuff in your stocking? That's exactly it. So get typing below and share with us your opinion. All right. I think we've come to the end of another show. Unfortunately, we've got to um, close up shortly. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion tonight and thanks for participating. Um, hope you've hit the like button and remember to subscribe. Your questions are important, so don't let them go unanswered. If you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. And also, um, if you've got a topic that you want us to discuss on another show, then send in your ideas and we'll have a look at these for upcoming shows. Yeah, just remember to hit that subscribe button now and then put your email into us. So, um, and also <laughs> like this video. Also remember to share the video of tonight's show on your social media with your colleagues and your friends because it really does help them keep them informed. And as participation grows, we can deliver more. And it's a really re a reward for Janine and I for putting us effort in. And we'd love to to get your opinion on on our shows but as I said keep sharing it out and we'll keep helping everybody also remember to put our show into your calendar as we'll be back right here on YouTube live every Tuesday 7 to 8 p.m. and make sure that you write somewhere if you want Dale to wear a Santa suit on one of the shows because I'd surely love to see that if I have to wear a Santa suit, you're wearing an elf one. If you would like to have your question answered on the show, either send your question in an email. Remember, video Jingle bells. <laughs> if you want to have your questions, we'll give them a priority Sorry. to all our I subscribers. I just had a visual. 
You had Couldn't a help it. Okay. I love that. Do you want me to finish and type this wealth for you? within live in the subject line. Um, so info at wealthwithin.com.au is the email address. And you must do this before 3 p.m. Tuesdays to get into that night's show. If you do it before 2 p.m., Janine will put on a Dorothy slippers and just go ho ho for ho, me ho, once. Ho ho ho. Thank you. Uh, we really hope everyone enjoyed the show tonight as much as we're bringing it to you. As always, thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you again next week for now. Goodbye, good luck, and good, good trading. Stay safe, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.